welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. What's going on, everybody? Welcome along here for another episode of the podcast. Well, I just finished a 14-book series recently called The Wheel of Time. Oh, my gosh. If anybody has a year of their life to, <laughs> I won't say waste, but to dedicate to reading an incredible fiction series, go check out The Wheel of Time. I started reading The 4-Hour Workweek, which is about the idea there are more ways to live than just the contract we've been sold of working nine to five for 40 years and then retiring as the only, the only option, only, only option for life. It's a very famous book, but if you have not heard of it or checked it out, I definitely would recommend it. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Okay, my guest this week is Colton from the Macho Mecca podcast. His show started off as a behind-the-scenes look at the world of WWE as he was a semi-pro WWE-style wrestler and has since evolved into a bit more of a conversation on society, men's health, dating from a man's perspective, and he has a community of listeners who go to him with questions about those types of topics. We talked about some happenings in society and what their causes could be. Uh, Colton and I had different analyses, you could say, of why, the why behind some of those incidents, but definitely a, a healthy conversation and a good example of productive discourse, I would say. So that's it, my friends. Big thank you to Colton for coming on the program. Check out his podcast if you think he is an interesting dude. And big thank you to you, the listener, for spending an hour of your day here with us at the Bro Nouveau Podcast. I certainly appreciate it. And as always, I'm trying to bring you conversations of value and substance to help you improve your life. Keep your head up, keep doing your thing, and we'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Okay, here we go. Colton, hey man, welcome to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Thomas, appreciate you having me, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. So we... uh Classic, classic podcasters kind of just finding and chatting. I found you on uh, one of the websites and saw you have your own podcast that's also kind of concerned with masculinity in some way and, and thinking about, you know, how how do we as men kind of approach the world and how do we be the best version of ourselves perhaps, but I, I don't want to describe it for you. So I guess before, our first question would just be, you know, your show Macho Mecca, uh, what is what is it about, and what was the motivation behind creating it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of evolved to something that I didn't expect it to be when I first started it. Um, Macho Mecca, you know, the logo kind of speaks for itself for any wrestling fans out there. I mean, it's it's the Macho Man Randy Savage, basically, and uh, as somebody who was a former. Um, you know, independent pro wrestler myself and just somebody who was a fan my whole life. It was always a fascinating subject for me. And then I kind of combined that with my expertise in fitness as well as a, as a personal trainer and, um, you know, a boxing instructor through college and a personal trainer through a lot of my, my early life. And, uh, I kind of blended that together as the original plan and used some of my connections in the wrestling business to bring on uh, a lot of superstars from the, from the past that uh, some of them I actually had the privilege of working with um, in and out of the ring. 
and uh, kind of having their perspective on fitness, everything from, you know, because a lot of their their wrestling story has already been told if they're if they're famous enough. So people have heard about that. But, you know, some of the, the big guys and big names from the past, you know, how did they get their body? Right. And then, and that goes into everything from uh, their actual workout routine, their diet, even their obviously, you know, it's no mistake in pro wrestling, their drug protocol. Um, and so there, there's a lot of different things that go into that. And that was kind of my original plan. And that, that took off. But I, I was also talking about a lot of um, just stuff related to masculine, feminine polarity and some of that stuff. And I have a, a section on my show called the Mecca Mailbag. And that's where I allow our listeners to write in questions. And more and more, I got questions related to that subject, just kind of, you know, how to deal with the the modern dating world and the sexual marketplace and all these different things. And so I started to just give my perspective on that. And that really took off more than I expected because I kind of expected it to be more of a fitness wrestling podcast, but it ended up evolving into what it is today, which is more of a, you know, a, a men and women, you know, sexual dynamics that, that sort of breakdown type of podcast. So that's kind of how the evolution of the Macho Mecca came to be. I have a gym called the Macho Mecca. I have, you know, all kinds of different stuff related to it, merchandise and whatnot, but it's evolved into something more than that. And that's really what I enjoy talking about on the show too. Awesome, man. I think those are always the best things, right? That kind of evolve and can't be predicted. Exactly. Nice, man. So, okay, let's bring it back. Cause to kind of be giving, um, well, you described that as your perspective, which I like rather than advice, because I think the, the term advice is kind of loaded. But, you know, even to be to be offering perspectives, one must have a sense of uh, grounding or kind of confidence or stories to tell, right, to, to help people who seek that advice. So, you know, for you, the process of growing up <clears throat> and becoming a man, what was that for you? Because that's something I've identified in, in my conversations is that the process of, you know, boys to men and how do we provide the right role models? How do we provide the right kind of guidance to kids is, is I think, where things go, go squirrely a bit. So what was that process like for you from growing from, say, you said you grew up in Florida to where you are now? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think you're right. That's where it all starts. And uh, a lot of people get kind of thrown off the wagon along the way, I think, especially today. But, uh, you know, sometimes they they find their way back on, whether that's, you know, finding a podcast or some, some way. And so that's what I'm sure, you know, you do the same thing. You kind of try to refocus that. But for me, it was, you know, I was fortunate to have a lot of good masculine influences growing up. Um, you know, my dad was a, was a great one. He was a, uh, an entrepreneurial minded guy, uh, met my mom at 16 years old. They, you know, got married. They are still married to this day. I had a very uh, rare look at things that actually probably colored me in an unrealistic way as to what I expected the the world would be like um, as far as the dating marketplace, especially today. And so, um, but as far as, you know, having mental point of origin and being, you know, taking care of your body and taking care of your family and taking care of, uh, you know, really what's, like I when I said mental point of origin, you know, taking care of what's, what's best for you. And then because of that, it actually benefits everyone else in your life. And so I had a great 
uh, role model and a, a lot of them. Um, I won't get into all of them, but I think I was fortunate to have that basis. And then of course, it's never perfect, right? You, you've, life throws you a surprise at some point along the way. And there's been <laughs> plenty of those for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so that those, those experiences certainly shaped me as well, but I was fortunate to at least come up in a environment where I had a good foundation and I was able to adjust as, as things kind of got thrown at me along the way. Nice, man. So good family network, friends. I imagine you're playing sports as a kid, right? If you're in this, no doubt. Yeah. This space now. Yeah. Awesome, man. Definitely. I, I was always interested in, in uh, combat sports. You know, I got into boxing that teaches you a lot about, you know, uh, just life and um, getting punched in the face is a is an interesting experience. <laughs> and then obviously uh, the pro wrestling aspect was as funny as it is. And I know not everyone's, it's not, it's not for everybody, but um, a lot of my... <laughs> alpha male type role models probably came out of that, you know, watching Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and uh, imitating them growing up. And and it's a big part of my personality today, without a doubt. So that was a big part of it too. But sports is a huge, a huge deal for, for young, young people. Nice. Yeah, the boxing is interesting. So martial arts in general, I think, are from what I've uh, perceived, because I haven't trained a lot of martial arts, but it seems to be this great, balance of confidence building and also humility. But what is it about boxing? Cause people who box love it, you know, they find, and like you said, it's analogies for life and kind of lifelong lessons. So what, what is it about that sport in particular? For me, it was, uh, it was honestly just something that uh, I guess I was presented with at a young age because, um, my dad and my uncles and my family were huge fight fans. So we always had fights on, you know, every, Saturday, whenever, and I can remember watching Mike Tyson growing up and the pay-per-views were always on in our house. And uh, I was a huge fan of the Rocky movies. And so I always knew it was something I wanted to do. And so when I became, uh, when I got older um, and my mom wasn't going to freak out for me doing it. um, And I was, I had some autonomy in my own life and I decided to venture off and do it. I just learned it and fell in love with it. It was, it's definitely, uh, you know, you, like you said, especially the humbling aspect, because, you know, anybody can ball up their fist and throw a punch. But when you get in there with somebody who knows a lot more than you, and even if they're smaller than you, or they don't look as athletic as you, um, but they can handle themselves, it's a very humbling experience. And so uh, definitely something, you know, it's not necessarily that you need to do boxing or whatever it may be, but it's something I would definitely recommend to, to anybody looking for just a way to get out of their comfort zone. And as far as from a fitness perspective goes um, and cardiovascular endurance, it's there's few things in the world that'll test you like, like a, you know, even boxing four rounds and, and sparring with somebody else. So nice. it's, totally. it's been something I've always enjoyed. For sure. That and wrestling too are this insane like uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, but I'm sure the oh yeah WWE as well looks. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you're right. Greco-Roman and, and the real wrestling, as people call it, definitely taxing. <laughs> but so is the you know the fake stuff, right? I mean, it's really more taxing from a just recovery standpoint because the you you're literally learning how to throw yourself on the ground and not hurt yourself. 
And uh, that's impossible. So, you know, so people can say it's fake all they want. Really what it is is predetermined, but the bumps are very real. And uh, that's why, you know, now at my age, I mean, I'm, I'm 27. So it's not like I'm, you know, uh, an ex, like Mickey Rourke from the G- movie or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the bumps hurt and they took their toll. And that's why I don't do it to the, nearly to the extent that I used to. Because it's just, I mean, it beats you up. You can see why these guys get on painkillers. And um, that's the only way. Because if you're wrestling every night and you got to stay in shape, I mean, there's not a whole lot of options other than to, to numb the pain. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That's a cool perspective because I know that wrestling fans, like WWE fans, are, are quite passionate. But you know, if someone's never come across it, it's kind of an interesting little, uh, interesting window into into it. Definitely. Yeah. So, so this grab bag section um, seems seems interesting to me, and, and you've, I think you've made a few references to in your comments to kind of changes so compared to or saying um the dating experience these days uh, or more recently so and it seems like that is <clears throat> i mean there's been a lot of people who have kind of questioned the way that you know masculinity as a whole has been cast in a, in a bad light and you know challenges or changes to to the the male lived experience if you will so what are some of those um, kind of changes you think that these guys are writing, writing into you about? Yeah. Well, I think just, um, in I mean, we get all kinds of different questions. I get people questions from people going through, uh, their wife leaving them. I get questions from, from women too, who are asking, you know, uh, why am I, you know, 35 and I'm very successful, but I can't seem to, uh, to get into a good relationship and I, I do want to find love. And so what's going on with that? And so, you know, it, it's, it ranges all across different spectrums. I think the thing, what it maybe all boils down to, in my opinion, if I had to choose, you know, one thing is right. we've forgotten about the differences between men and women and how we're complements to each other. Um, and the idea of just blank slate equalism among the sexes is, is a dangerous concept. And it actually, it ends up selling people on both sides, a bad bill of goods that ends up hurting them in the long run. And so, you know, I, I try not to look at it. At any, and if you've listened to my podcast before, I will talk about feminism and stuff and probably, you know, maybe seemingly paint it in a bad light, but I, I really try to not make it a good versus evil thing. I try to make it more of a, these are the facts and, you know, they may not taste good, but the evidence and the data sets that we have available to us today for the first time really in human history, because in the past we didn't have the, the survey data and, and the different things that we do today that we can look at and apply to the sexual marketplace, you know, how do we interpret that data and how do we connect the dots that, you know, when, when you look at a statistic, it says something like, Hey, you know, 80 to 85% of divorces initiated by women, you know, what, why would that be? And so, you know, these, these are, like I said, it's not a good versus evil thing. It's not women are terrible. That's not what it's about. And I think that when we live in a society like we do today, that prior prioritizes emotion over reason. The quote I always use is, the language of reason always sounds like hate to the language of emotion. And so what it really, it's really not though. It's, it's just a, 
an observation of objective truth. And that's, that's what I try to do uh, with my podcast. I'm sure that opinions always shine through a little bit. And some people do ask for, you know, real advice. Like, what do I do in this situation? I will give that. But the, the thing that I always bring it back to is just like, Hey, you know, we're men and women are better together than we are apart. We're compliments and let's not ignore the differences between us because ignoring them is just bad for both of us in my opinion yeah yeah totally i mean evolved over time to work together and collaborate and successfully reproduce and pass on our genes right so that yeah. that's interesting like exactly. uh, it's all about the babies yeah ultimately <laughs> so so like the mm-hmm. that's interesting about about the majority a vast majority of divorces being initiated by um, the woman of the man and woman. So what, what do you attribute that to in, in your analysis? Well, I think, uh, and this is where <laughs> it can get a little controversial. Sure. But um, you know, I, I think that there's more of an incentive than ever uh, for women to initiate the divorce. I mean, um, you know, you have the, the backing of the state. And if you look at where, um, you know, assets end up getting transferred to in the majority of cases, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of incentive for, and you've also seen at the same time, marriage rates decline. And, and why is that? Now the divorce rate has kind of gone up, but the rate of actual marriage has gone down. And I think, it's kind of for the same reason. It's like more and more men are kind of like, well, why would I, why would I sign this unconscionable contract basically with the state and expose myself to all this risk uh, other than because society or this nebulous concept of marriage or that, that this old order way of thinking tells me I should do this. And so I think that that's really Probably the reason is that there's just, I mean, there kind of is an incentive to initiate the divorce at a certain point uh, on the woman's part. Otherwise, I don't think the data would be that skewed. Yeah, that's, I mean, could be. I mean, like if, um, let's say, for example, in there's 100 marriages and if 75 of them one gender, say the uh, the male has higher earning power in the market, right? You know, sure that 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 could be an explanation. I I would think, dude, that it's more to do with women knowing what they need and being self aware about what they demand in a relationship as far as their needs. You know, and, and the data also show that <clears throat> women are much more relational. And that they have a better understanding of themselves in the world and can communicate their needs. And eventually, if those needs aren't being met, they might be more willing to do something about it. Like, certainly, I'm sure there are a lot of people who get divorced just to get the money. But, I mean, unless unless prenups don't work, isn't a prenup like a really good workaround to to prevent that? It it is, but I would say most guys... um either because they are just idealists, they don't explore that option or um, 
you know, it's just, it's just not something or, or the woman straight up says, look, I'm not signing a prenup. And, uh, the guy will, will just kind of go along with it. And I think, you know, you're definitely right about women and their, their communication skills. I mean, this is one of those things I, t- I always talk about the hard data. I mean, this is proven and scientifically that what you said is a fact. I mean, even like infant uh, female babies can identify facial expressions and, and things like that at much uh, more accuracy than, than male babies. All that's definitely true. But I think, you know, the, if you look at the way the statistics have trended over time, like what you're talking about biologically is a fact, but the, yet the marriage, the, the rate of women divorcing men has gone up over, over time. So I don't think we, they've evolved more to be more self-aware, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's more to it than that, but you know, uh, there's totally. a lot of factors. It certainly is totally. one reason. Yeah. I mean, like the reason marriages don't work is like, I think impossible to pin to one, one cause. I agree. I mean, that's an interesting Completely. correlation. Yeah. The other thing, dude, I think is that women don't have to stay in a shitty marriage anymore. If they marry some jackass from high school who turns out to be a drunk and beats them, the state backs them now. So they don't have to stay with him. Right. That's correct. Yep. And, and, and the, on and the, I, sorry, there's one other thing. Like this, the state backing is interesting because I don't know the specifics of like of what kind of resources are being allocated. But I mean, if <clears throat> there's probably a good chance that a lot of these divorcees are also mothers, right? And the mother bears the burden of responsibility largely f- as far as like post postnatal repercussions, like postpartum depression, changes in their body, actually caretaking of the child for the first year of their life. So yeah, that, that, that could be an interesting like overlap of that resource allocation you mentioned. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, I mean, uh, I think the other statistic is 90% of the time primary custody is assigned to the mother. You know, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good thing or it's a bad mm-hmm. thing. I'm just saying that that's a, that's a largely you know, skewed number. And, um, it's just something that men should probably be aware of, you know, because at the end of the day, you're right. Like if, if she's with some abusive husband, uh, then certainly, you know, she should have the backing of the state to leave the marriage. But I think on the onset of probabilities, you know, women leaving men isn't because she's with a domestic abuser. Right. So, um, I think there's a lot, and and I know this, because I get a lot of guys that write in who have kind of been like, well, Hey, you know, I, I tried to be the good dad and I tried to do all this. And and yet here she is at 35 and, you know, she loves me, but she's not in love with me. And now, you know, I've, I've worked to, to build all this up for us. And now she's taken half and she's got the kids. You know, I had a guy the other day, write in, he was, a, he's actually from your area and uh, worked for a, a tech company. And uh, his wife was there. They were from Asia, and uh, his wife basically took the his his son and flew back to China, and said, "I want a divorce." And uh, you know, he's stuck now in his four thousand dollar a month apartment uh, with his tech job. And it's like, hey, good luck, dude. And it's there. And there were the unfortunate thing is there were a lot of factors that led into that that say, hey, you maybe you shouldn't have chosen to marry this girl. 
or you should have run your relationship in a little bit of a different way. But, um, you know, certainly I don't blame the guy. I think that that happens a lot of the time, but, uh, anyway, that's, that's a long yeah, answer. That sucks. There's a, the bottom <laughs> line is like you said, there's a lot of factors at play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that sucks. It's interesting, man. Cause yeah, I, I would, I would, upon not having seen the data and not, you know, having as had a deep of look as you, but my inclination is that it, my guess would be that it's from societal changes of like a releasing of the pressure on both men and women, but this is the only path you have to get married. You have to raise the kids. You don't talk about your problems. You don't have problems. Men don't show emotion. Women, you know, complain about how much of an asshole your husband is all day. And then when he comes home, pamper him and, and treat him right. You know, like all of those kind of like uh, agreements and contracts are dissolving a little bit. Um, and, you know, in the, in the case of the guy who, whose wife left him, not this individual, but any individual, my first question to them would be, look at yourself, you know, instead of, instead of blaming the system and blaming the other person, how about have a real hard look in the mirror and say, how did I fuck up? Because at the onset, I don't think this woman had a 10-year plan to, to screw me over, right? Something changed along the way. It's possible. It's very possible. I completely she had, agree. She had a 10-year plan. It's possible. But again, like just like the cases of domestic violence are probably lower, just like that, having like someone who's like really manipulative. Um, and that's kind of what I do. Sure. And, and I don't think maybe, like you said, yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, I agree with you. I think you do have to take an internal look at, at what's what you've done yourself. That's really all you can do um, at the end of the day. And so I think that that's why resources like whatever, you know, your podcast, my podcast, somebody can find some, uh, a beacon that at least leads them in, in a, in a new direction as opposed to just being like, Oh my God, my life's over. And, and you know, I'm totally screwed. Totally. Yeah. And uh, just to like play devil's advocate, if you will, like a lot of the self-reliance, uh, narrative is about like, don't blame the environment for your circumstances. A lot of people who don't like, like anti-racist theory will be like, it's too simple. It boils everything down to conditions you were born in and, and takes no accountability. I think the same thing could be said of someone whose wife leaves them and they blame the state support for the woman. It's like, are, is that not the same thing of blaming the system instead of having accountability for where they went wrong? You know, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, maybe I, I misspoke when, when giving the rec, the, what actually happened, he was not blaming the state. He was actually, you know, in fact, he didn't even think, think to do that. Um, it was more of, I cannot believe what's happened that, you know, I was raised in, you know, an Asian family that valued, you know, a man who can provide and a man who, has a good job and loves his wife and puts his family first. And despite me, my best efforts, I have, I have failed and why, Mm -hmm. and why am I so depressed and all these different things. And so I think that's where, like you said, you know, you you need to take an internal look at things and say, you know, we need to find some real tangible reasons as to maybe why this went wrong. And that way, you know, you don't think you've just been totally screwed. And because I think, especially as men, we, 
it's, it's easier for us to have a plan and, um, you know, some actual tangible reasons as to why maybe things went wrong to explain it as opposed to just this nebulous concept of like, well, you know, she fell out of love and whatever it may be. Um, so anyway, that's, yeah, I don't want to act like he, he was blaming the state or anything like that. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's not the right move. For sure. That's, that's brutal, man. That's a, yeah, I, I I've observed that with my own father, not the same exact situation, but a situation where like, you know, eventually the marriage went sideways and he yeah. hasn't said this to me, but what the, what I've perceived from him is that like, and from other men of his, of the generation of, of all generations, I guess, is this like, you know, the, the contract I was sold is like work provide. And then that's task number one. And I think now that like with the kind of advancement of self-awareness and, you know, we've been in peacetime long enough to where people are kind of like more can better define what they need, you know, and, and maybe just yeah. providing isn't, isn't it anymore. And I think that's a good thing to think about, right? Like, you know, as a, as a precautionary tale for the other guys. So yeah. How did you, how did you answer him? You know, that, that, that fella here in the Bay area. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. And I think, uh, especially now, I mean, um, if anything, that provision or aspect is, is less necessary now, I won't say it's maybe less valuable, but certainly less necessary because, you know, women are, are fully able to, to take care of themselves financially. And, um, you know, there's really, it's, it's not the way that it was where it's like, I need to marry this guy who has the money or whatever. Uh, there are tons of successful women. I mean, uh, women are uh, have a larger uh, presence in university now. They're being educated at, at a higher uh, rate than men are. And like I said, I, I'm not saying any of this is bad or that it's good. It's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And so as a guy, you have to understand that like uh, there is more to the equation than just like I need to be this provider of resources or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot more to it than that that goes into attraction cues and maintaining a relationship and a marriage and all this stuff. And so I really went into more of the other side of things um, as opposed to what he was focusing on, like you said, or what your dad may have been focusing on, what a lot of guys focus on, which is just, Hey, you know, if I get my money right and I have my job and, you know, I'm a provider, then that's, that's what's needed. But it's like, you know, you're, you're missing the lay of the land today. I think when you look at it from that perspective, Totally. That's good. Hopefully, hopefully he finds some peace. That's absolutely brutal. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. tough. It's definitely tough. (laughs) Tough one to take on the chin. Definitely. Um, Cool, man. So as far as your idea of what, what does it mean to be a good man? That's something that I've asked a lot of people on the show and it's hard to find that, right? You know, we've, 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 yeah, what it's different for everyone, but for you in your life, you know, when you think about the person you want to be, you know, self improvements you want to make, what are the kind of core values that you try to embody? Yeah, I think uh, the main thing I would maybe boil it down to to keep it as short as I can is, uh, like I said, the concept of mental point of origin, which is, you know, if I am doing the things and certainly. You know, you have, you have to factor in 
ethics and, and morality into this equation too. So I'm not saying, you know, uh, get rich or die trying or anything like that. But, you know, if I'm doing the things that are good for me in general, you know, I, I keep my, my body in condition. I have good health. I have good, um, fitness. I'm driven. I am providing something to the world and, and staying on my purpose, whatever that may be as far as what my, my life's journey is. Um, I think if you are doing that and you're doing that with conviction and certainly in, in an ethical way, um, that everyone around you benefits from that. And I think at the end of the day, that's the main thing that you can control is what you do and what, you know, what you focus on. And if you don't lose sight of that, um, I think that that is what makes you a powerful and a, a good, I guess a good man, as you put it that way. Um, and so I, I guess that would be my, my condensed answer. Certainly there's a lot of aspects to it and I can point to a lot of good men that I would consider good men and, and traits they would have. But I think the common denominator in all of them was that of what I just mentioned and nice. knowing that what was really good for them was also good for the rest of the people as long as it came from the right place. The mental point of origin. Cool. I like that. Right. So the, yeah, like do you do yoga Colton? You ever do, you ever do some yoga? I've done yoga before. Yes. Um, I, I'm not great at it. And I tell you what, I've almost blacked out in some hot yoga before. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's hard, <laughs> but I've done it before. Yes. For sure. And at the end of classes, you know, they might, teachers might say something like, you know, you did something good for yourself here today, which is then good for the, the rest of the world. Right. And I think that's exactly a similar kind of ethos. Yeah. 100%. That's exactly it. Yep. Nice, man. Okay. Um, the other thing that I've kind of observed recently, and I think it's, it's always been there, like, dudes, we want to be strong. We want to be powerful, right? And there's this whole, like, industry built around, like, alpha identity, I guess is the way to put it. So sure. for someone who's never, like come across that or thought about that, what does that mean? Like if someone sees like somebody wearing a shirt that says like in the gym, like alpha, you know, what is that? What, what, what is trying to be communicated there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's kind of just maybe more, more uh, virtue signaling or whatever. But mm. um, I, I think uh, <laughs> Because there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on those terms like alpha male, beta male, red pill, blue pill, uh, but <laughs> really, really, what it comes down to is a lot of what I just said. I think somebody who is um, because and I think I think there's this tendency to like paint alpha males either in this really good light, like this is what you need to be or this really bad light like you're you know you're a toxic mask toxic masculinity alpha male and then the beta male is the same thing it's like you're either this total soy boy pussy who has no value to society or you know you're really in touch with your feelings and this is what everyone wants you to be but really i think we get too too wrapped up in those two terms i think at the end of the day though you know an alpha male is is more 
if you, if you're defining it from a, I guess a superficial perspective is more just somebody who uh, is more traditionally masculine and embodies, you know, just more of the, I guess, traditionally masculine traits, <laughs> which uh, that's, that's, that's as basic as I can put it. I don't know yeah, if that's a good yeah. answer at all, but um, I try not to get too into the alpha male grift because I think that's, it's a little overplayed. I don't know how much value it actually brings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fucking stupid personally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just from the perspective of like, kind of like someone who takes care of their own business doesn't, isn't tr- worried about yeah. how they doesn't perceived. call themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody calls themselves an alpha male. Who's a normal person. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I am the alpha. Yeah. Yeah. But, exactly. But, but dude, um, one thing, you know, you said, you said like, uh, being a pussy, right? That term. Yeah. I'm going to give you an argument of why you shouldn't use that word. Two different arguments. One would be that my sister would give me, which is saying that it's equating weakness with a vagina, which is equating weakness with women. The other one that's funnier, I think both are valid, is that <laughs> last time I, 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 all right, context for where I heard this too. I was in a sure. um a coffee shop in Truckee, California, and there was this yep. um fire captain who's a, who, a woman who was uh talking on the phone, she was working, and I heard her talk about how all the guys on her um team were really depressed and suicidal. It's been horrible fire seasons the last couple of years and they couldn't talk. And so I was like, Hey, here's my card, here's my podcast. You know, this is what I do. And she's like, Oh, very cool. And she's like, Yeah. <laughs> I never understood why people call each other pussies. He's like, why, why are you guys always call each other pussies? Last time I checked, <laughs> pussies take a beating. You should be calling each other sex because if I tap you down there, you're going to fall on the floor and cry like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> so. Of course, I didn't mean any offense by it. it's just you know more because we were talking about the general grift i think that's that's just totally. kind of the no you know no, no no worries man i'm i'm not worried about it but i just part of kind of like i guess living my ethos right is like saying something when i feel inclined to so yeah thanks for hearing me sure, absolutely i'm the same way of course man <laughs> <laughs> okay three things game time we're coming up on we're coming up on time so what uh, month is your birthday in, Colton? April. April. Okay. So you're up sooner. Okay. I'm just going to pick a question from the card. and Okay. Here's your question and I'll have a different one. What are three things your last romantic All partner right. taught you? Ooh. Wow. Okay. Um, three things my last romantic partner taught me. Uh the importance of uh, mutual independence, that's kind of cliche, but I think more than ever, that was really emphasized. Um, I think the importance of uh, similar family backgrounds, I don't know that it's a deal breaker, but it certainly makes things easier. Um, you know, come operating from the same page. And the third thing I would look, I would say I learned, um, 
Hmm. Uh, if you <laughs> if you value your independence and you have jobs that are somewhat conflicting in that, and I'll put it this way: I travel a bunch for work, and she was a flight attendant. You have to either decide that you're going to really sacrifice that free time that you do have for that person, or that you know it's just not going to work, and you have to make that decision because that's going to be that's be, that's going to be what's right for both of you. Because when you're both in those types of fields, uh, it's challenging, and you really have to make the most of your your time that you do have together. Totally, totally. What. Yeah, if you have, you know, when it's when <clears throat> when it's not convenient to spend time together, are both people still going to prioritize it and make the time? Exactly. Exactly. Yep, that's it. Nice. Great great answer, man. Okay. Here is my question. What are three things I've learned about anger? Tough one. Um I think it's good. I think anger is a healthy thing to channel. It's it's good. It, it tells us that something is amiss, and you know there's um something can be changed. And and anger, I think, is a fuel to do that. Kind of another thing that maybe doesn't always have to be painted in negative light because there is good, you know, good power from it. Um, second thing I would be I would say is that. I think it's in the moment it can be good, but also it it stops serving me after a while in the sense of like replaying specific incidents, you know, like (laughs) there's an incident I keep replaying in my head from like months ago. There was, there was um, a soccer team playing next to us and we were on the field. uh, We were, we were going to switch fields. We had been playing in one field for the first hour. We're going to switch. And the guys, one of the guys comes over, he's the Spanish dude. And he's like, you know, yelling, yelling. <laughs> and eventually I was like, dude, just fuck off. Like you got what you wanted. Now leave. And then he puffs off his chest, you know, and he's like, uh, and so I'm like in my head, I'm like thinking I'm still so annoyed months later. It's like, so, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to let that go. That is not helping me. <laughs> exactly. Yep. No doubt. It's not serving you. Exactly. Yes. Yes, dude. Totally not serving me to abusing mental space on that dude. From August. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I was talking number... about... Their... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I forgot. Go ahead, number three. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Number three. I'll leave it that, actually. I think those two are all I got. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say was... I, I look at it... I always talk about, like you have a light shining in your brain and you get to choose what light sector you want to illuminate. And like you said, if it's not serving you, you got to shine the light somewhere else. And, uh, and anger is a test in a lot of ways. It's like, it's a very real emotion, but you know, how you react says a lot about, a lot about you. Totally. Totally. Well said. Awesome. Colton. Well, Hey, thanks so much, man, for propping on the pod. Um, Two two questions. One would just be, you know, like this social data you mentioned is pretty interesting. Where do you go? Is there any like particular journals you look at or just news articles or kind of where do you source your info for, for folks who want to do their own research? 
Yeah, I, I always plug, um, I think the book that really opened my eyes uh, a lot was is The Rational Male by Rolo Tomasi. I think that that's a good book for a lot of guys to read to have kind of more of a understanding of of maybe the way things work. So I, I think a lot of my inspiration and where I kind of started down the road of thought that changed the way that I viewed um, a lot of things about sexual dynamics that ended up serving me a lot better than the, than the ways I used to view it uh, and changed my life for the better without a doubt. That was kind of where I started. So I always plug that, but you know, I, I mean, it's really a lot of it's empirical, you know, you, you go through life and um, you meet a lot of people and you, you know, you adjust your game plan as, as things go along and, and you find out what works and what doesn't. And so, um, that's been a big part of it as well. But yeah, if I, if I had to plug one thing, it would be, it would probably be that. Awesome, man. Nice. Awesome. And where can the folks check out uh, your work and your podcast if they want to want to check it out? Absolutely. Yeah. Macho Mecca podcast going to be available on all your streaming platforms. You're on Spotify, Apple music, whatever it is, Amazon. Um, and then as far as social media, follow us on Instagram at Macho Mecca. We've got a YouTube channel as well where we put up some videos. Um, any wrestling fans out there got a lot of cool stuff up there as well from some of the legends of wrestling's past, given some perspectives you probably haven't heard before. But we talk a lot about dating. We talk a lot about, uh, you know, whatever's going on in your life. So feel free to drop us a question on the mailbag as well. Macho Mecca at gmail.com. But uh, thanks, Thomas, for having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. For sure, Colin. Yeah, thanks, dude. Good luck with it. And uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, guys. See you, bro.